house hacking is really a way to help turn your property, usually your primary residence, into a monetizing opportunity. Instead of being the main leaseholder, you are the holder of the mortgage and you rent out a room. It can be as simple as that. And you can get more involved with that, buying a duplex, buying a triplex, buying a building that you then got tenants, you become the landlord and that helps pay your mortgage, if not all of your mortgage. Welcome to Personal Finance Cat, where I share my personal take on personal finance. Hi Liz, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. Glad to be here. I know you're a real estate agent and prior to becoming a real estate agent, you were in, I think, art, design and technology mm-hmm. for 20 some years. Tell us about your experience maybe prior to becoming a real estate agent and how that helped you transition into real estate. Yeah, sure. Um, I started my career out of college as an artist and an educator. So I was teaching um, and then uh, working on my visual art career. I decided to go back to graduate school for my MFA and uh, began doing uh, sort of what we call governess, which is working with families. And it's kind of like a, a step above a nanny. You really are like involved in some of the social, emotional, and educational decisions for the kids. Um, <clears throat> And that was fantastic. It was a really great way for me to cut down my hours and uh, be able to focus on my art career, um, which I was really able to do for about 20 years. Um, and was in San Francisco. A lot of my friends worked in technology. And it was an exciting time to be in San Francisco, the late 90s to the middle teens. And uh, um, a friend of mine was starting a clothing company that had a crowdsourced design element to it. So they needed someone to sort of corral all of these creative thinkers online and a community of people who would be uh, submitting clothing concepts to the brand, which we broadcast in sort of a a Kickstarter sort of way. Um, And and we did crowdfund um, like the top most upvoted concepts uh, and would take them into production. And um, we fell upon some hugely successful specific items uh, in our, uh, our, um, our VCs wanted us to focus on that, which meant I no longer really had a job at the company because we weren't going to be pooling, you know, massive crowdsourced design uh, anymore. We're going to focus on those um, specific items. And um, my partner had gotten a job in Denver. We decided to buy a house in Denver um, because we could not afford one in the Bay Area. And um, when my division in that company was shut down. I decided to move to Denver and I wasn't quite sure what to do. Um, And then my dear mother uh, reminded me of how obsessed I am with design (laughs) and homes and architecture and how I have been totally obsessed with um, neighborhoods, city structure, urban planning, housing since I was a kid and encouraged me to get my real estate license. And that was five years ago. And it's been probably the best decision I've made in my adult life. 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So have you been a real estate agent or broker for five years then? Yeah. Okay. And is that the time when you moved to Denver? It was five years ago? I moved to Denver about seven years ago. Okay. So it, I took a couple, I took some time away uh, mm -hmm. just to think about what I wanted to do and, and settling into a new city. Um, and, um, went back to teaching a little bit, substitute teaching here in Denver, got to know the city really well and, and communities in the city. And, um, yeah. And then I got my real estate license and it's, it's been wonderful. When I was a kid, I really struggled with, um, reading and on Sundays it was this ritual in our house. The paper would come and I have an older brother and we would race to the newspaper to get the comics, the comic section. And he was bigger and stronger and faster than I was. So he would get to the comics before I could because I had a hard time reading. And it was nice to see the stories laid out on a comic strip. Um, so he'd get that section. And back in the day, in the 70s and 80s, the only other print section in the Sunday, or sorry, the only other color picture section on the Sunday paper was the housing um, section, the real estate section. So I would go to that next because it had the best pictures. And um, even though I struggled with reading, um, my, my spatial concepts were really great. My understanding of the map of the city was really excellent and I was great at math. So I, since I was little, I would dig in to the real estate section and look in and map where these homes were and, and who would be able to live there. And, um, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. But, um, <laughs> you know, the reason why I asked you when you moved to Denver was because I knew that Denver experienced a huge um, surge in prices as well. I want to say probably even before you moved there, because it used to be relatively affordable. And then all of a sudden, a lot of people moved to Denver, I think probably you know, from San Francisco and other high, higher cost areas. <laughs> yeah, but, um, a lot of California and Texas and Florida and a lot of coastal uh, migration to Denver, definitely, of which I was part of sort of like the tail end of the first wave of mm -hmm. that. Um, prices had certainly gone up quite a bit when we bought our first home. Um, and, you know, people were a little bit, you know, ah, don't move here from California. <laughs> and then other people were like, yes, move here from California. We need your progressive thinking, you know, we need. Um, and then the city really sort of embraced the, the growth and um, saw that it was really beneficial. A lot of restaurants from the coast started opening. Chefs were coming to Denver. The food scene here is like off the hook now. It's so, so interesting and and great. We've got great food in Denver. Um, and part of that's just, you know, people um, coming here to start businesses because it was more affordable. Um, then when COVID happened, <laughs> and we saw a price surge in the same ways that we saw that um, in a lot of areas. Denver is interesting because it's a big city, um, but you can live in the heart of the city and have a decent sized backyard, a single family home on a decent sized backyard. So we have friends who would visit and we're like, how can you be walking distance to downtown and have this much 
land. So mm-hmm. when people wanted to leave Chicago and New York and San Francisco and these much more uh, densely populated cities, Denver was a great alternative because it's a big city. There's a lot of resources, a lot of industry, a lot of jobs, but a little bit more breathing room. So mm-hmm. we experienced a very big surge. Uh, so in some neighborhoods, the price is even doubling. Wow. Yeah. In a very short period of time. Yeah. I had an internship in Denver in 2012. Oh, gosh, that's, that was more than 10 years ago. So back then, it was, um, it was much more affordable because I remember someone that was just starting her job there, she was able to even afford a house. It's not in Denver proper. It's not in downtown. But, you know, it was like pretty reasonable, right? And she can commute to work with, um, I think, the light rail or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. It had been nice, but recently, as you said, it, it's doubling. So it must be a tough market now. So my next question to you is, um, have you seen more difficulty and challenge of home buyers trying to buy? And how are you helping them to kind of navigate all of this? Yeah, well, I remember, you know, it was sort of right before the interest rates really came down, like from the high threes into the very low threes, and then even sub three, uh, and the prices really started to surge. Um, you know, I ha- was helping um, my fr- my client's son, uh, who is a night orderly, um, makes 20 bucks an hour, um, you know, hardworking young guy, and he was looking for a home, and we were able to find him a home, a great home. It's got four bedrooms, three bathrooms. Um, you know, on the north, north, north of the north side of the city, just outside of the city. Um, but I think that sale price was four hundred thousand dollars, and I remember going through that transaction with them and really feeling. Like this was going to be one of the last times I would be able to serve someone with that budget that close to the city, mm-hmm. um, just because you could see it. Like the market was just under this pressure cooker, and the prices were going up so so much. Um, you know what? Maybe he was even like three seventy five. I can't quite remember. I'll have to look up the price. That's really but, um, yeah, but it was it was um, you know. And that I was talking to someone recently, like, you know, I, I serve clients that have, you know, a $300,000 budget and I serve clients who have a $3 million budget and I work just as hard for both of them, you know, because it's very hard to find a home that checks all the boxes at that low of a budget. And it's very hard (laughs) to appeal to the person who's got all the money in the world to spend because they can be very particular too. Um, you know, and one pays the bills and one feeds my soul, you know, and, and you've got to do both. You know, I meet a lot of brokers who like, they just want to do luxury because they're going to make so much more per transaction. And that's the farthest thing from my interest, because if I think if I just did that, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't have the same sense of um, helping the broader community, right? Um, One of the things that uh, my partner and I do um, and has been the reason we've been able to to acquire the property that we have is that we're house hackers. Mm 
So um, we have converted a unit in our basement into uh, the ability to short-term rental. It's not a, a unit that would be on the long-term rental market. It's not a unit where someone who is in the workforce here in Denver would want to live, but it's perfect for someone who's only going to be here for a week or a couple of days or going to see a concert at Red Rocks. And that's been an incredible way to uh, offset the cost of our mortgage uh, every month. Um, I've also worked with... Um, young couples who collectively want to buy purchase a home together so two two couples want to make the investment and you know it's a two bedroom two bath house together they can make that happen separately they can't make it happen so you know just explaining to people what their options are um and getting into that home ownership because rent is a waste of money <laughs> <laughs> it's just you're just paying for somebody else's life um and it's really important to learn how to um finance something for yourself whether you know it doesn't have to be your dream house but just something that you can start building your wealth on very nice so since you mentioned house hacking can you explain that a bit more for listeners who don't understand what that is <laughs> Yeah, well, house hacking is really a way to help turn your property, usually your primary residence, into a monetizing opportunity. So um, whether that's uh, your, instead of being the main leaseholder, you are the holder of the mortgage and you have potentially roommates, friends that you know, people that you meet and you rent out a room. It can be as simple as that, even in a condominium, if you have a two or three bedroom condominium and you can rent out, rent out the primary, rent out the one that has the ensuite, you know, make make your more, more money that way and help offset your monthly costs. So that's really sort of like the basic of what house hacking is. And you can get more involved with that, um, buying a duplex, buying a triplex, buying a building that you then, you know, you've got tenants, you become the landlord um, and, and that helps pay your mortgage, if not all of your mortgage. You know, we're very lucky there are some months, especially in the summertime and, and during the Red Rocks music season when, um, we cover our entire mortgage um, from our guests. Um, and that's a great month. We love that month. Yeah. <laughs> we love that month. <laughs> right. Because you lived rent free for, I mean, or mortgage free for that month. So, yeah, exactly. It just goes straight there. So, that's, that's really, really nice. Um, and those opportunities, you just have to, and then maybe this is where sort of the artistic designer problem solver part of my brain really kicks into action. And that's, you know, how can we make this work? You know, like, and then finding the right lenders who are going to work with you with that in mind, what do you need to get to them to show that this property has, you know, maybe it has a precedent of being able to, you know, bring in income. Uh, we've, since sold our first property, which we had an Airbnb in our basement, just a little thing with a kitchenette. Um, and then we moved into a bigger home that also has an Airbnb in the basement. Um, and we were able to do that transition by showing what we were making on the first property. So it, our first property actually didn't count as debt in our debt to income ratio because we were able to show that we actually weren't 
having to pay $2,600 a month in mortgage because we were making $2,400 a month on our Airbnb. So we were able to acquire one property without letting go of the other. Once we moved, we let go of the other and the people who bought it were three friends mm -hmm. and they Airbnb the basement. So they had, you know, the vision to uh, continue to use that property and monetize it. That's great. And I'm sure you made the money off of the increase in the price as well. So it goes to show. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that worked out in our favor as well. Yeah. But timing was good for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Are you involved with the Bigger Pockets community at all? Because they're based in Denver. No, it's no. actually how I learned a lot how to invest in real estate. They're basically a company where they just have people share their experiences investing in real estate. Um, it started as more like a forum, right? Like people just uh -huh. post questions and other people answer. And then they had their podcast, they had webinars, and they just evolved into a much larger company that provides all kinds of services, courses, etc. House hacking is a phrase that's coined by one of the founding, I mean, he was not a founder per se, but he really brought the company from like a small company to a very well-known company in the real estate investor community. His name is Brandon Turner. He coined the phrase house hacking. My next question to you is, um, you're fluent in Spanish as well, right? I am. Yeah. How does that help you with um, maybe getting more access to the client base? Um, it hasn't as much as I would like it to, to be oh. honest. <laughs> <laughs> there is a large population of Spanish speakers in uh, Denver um, and people who are generations in Denver. Uh, Colorado was not always part of the United States. <laughs> um, and uh, you, But those families tend to be very bilingual. And there might be a couple times where like the word, a word pops up and that helps. Um, and um but it, it hasn't i haven't had any yet any clients who have spoken only spanish um although there i do have a few friends who speak primarily spanish and i'm working on getting them to become clients <laughs> okay cool cool i think on your bio it mentioned that you helped your clients acquire over 50 million dollars of real estate just in the past five years which is very impressive. Can you talk about some of the strategies that you used? I think you mentioned that you serve clients no matter what their budget is. Is that sort of your secret sauce or are there other strategies that you employed? Um, no, I think, um, first of all, I've just been really working my butt off for the past five years, I'll say that. And I actually just crossed the threshold to um, make it into the Remax Hall of Fame, which is very exciting to have accomplished that in five years. It's yeah. just like a level of um, sales uh, that um, I just crossed that threshold in my last closing, which is pretty exciting. Um, but um, it's really, especially when, um, when the competition was so high, you know, a year and a half ago, when we were looking at, um, you know, 12 to 20 multiple offers on a single property, um, I think the secret sauce was always getting really, really deep 
in the comparables and understanding um, what expectations were, that coupled with um, really, really clear communication with the listing agent and making sure that they knew exactly what my clients would be able to offer and also having um, offers that were really, really clean, really unmessy, nothing to be, um, I, one of the things that I get back from, from listing agents all the time is like, wow, this is like the cleanest offer I've ever seen written, which is just making it as uncomplicated as we possibly can, given their financial situation, making sure to show proof of funds for closing, making sure to have those lender letters, making sure that lender is calling the listing agent, making sure that like nothing is questionable um, or vague and everything is like really, really straightforward and clear. Um, men, I didn't ever really have clients that were, um, you know, five, six, seven offers before they were accepted. Fortunately, my clients got their offers accepted pretty quickly and they all, they weren't always the highest offer. And there were times also, um, which I think a lot of brokers overlooked, um, is really looking at the zoning of the property, understanding the future potential of what the property offers, because that is going to drive up the price for the person who is looking for that particular kind of zoning. And I had um, one client that did not get a property <laughs> because they came up against a cash offer. But, um, you know, it, 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 let's say the property was listed at like $825,000, um, you know, and our offer was going to be eight seventy-five, dollars and, and I knew that we would be coming in high, but the zoning also allows for a triplex to be built at the single family property. So a developer, I told my clients at the start, the, our only competition here is going to be a developer who comes in in cash. And that was just at what I thought a developer would pay for it. And indeed, you know, they had 10 offers. Most of them were only at like 850, 860, because I don't know if their realtors were looking as deeply into the zoning as I was. And then, so we had the lead lead offer, but the other one was cash. So, you know, it went to the person with cash because it makes things that much more easy. Mm -hmm. um, there's also times where I told my clients that I didn't see the value in going any higher than they were saying to go. Um, there was one property that these clients still talk about the place on Moncrief. You know, they're always like, oh, but we didn't get that place on Moncrief. And I'm like, I am so happy you didn't get that place. It was a flip. It was a very quick flip. It was great looking, but it was going for almost $200,000 over the asking price. And I just, my clients were like, well, let's just do it. And I'm like, let's not, let's pause for a second. I think what you like is the interior decorating <laughs> like let's go back and take a look and imagine this place not staged mm -hmm. it didn't even have a dining room you know oh. it had like a bench built into the kitchen like there was nowhere to sit there was no ensuite there was you know all of a sudden i'm like it is gorgeous but you can also hire this interior designer to do your house, <laughs> whichever house we get. And it's going to end up looking very similar to this one. So um, also being able to see sort of past the tricks of listing um, 
is also really important. Not getting caught up in the in the Instagraminess of of the current uh, the current look. Because <laughs> once you get all your stuff in there, it's not going to look like that. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> Perhaps your background of being a artist or a designer helps you also. Do you offer any sort of advice for your clients, kind of to design, like at least picture what this could look like potentially? Yeah, I don't actually get down to like sketching things out for them, but um, I do work with a design builder. I do sales for a design builder, and that's really when I get to help conceptualize and create spaces with the clients um, because we don't go straight to architecture. We do a lot of the recon with the client before we get to the because arch architects are very expensive. <laughs> so if I can get all of their needs and sketch it out first um, before going to the architect, um, that saves a lot of time. Yeah. And um, yeah, but I love it. I mean, walking through a place and my favorite thing to hear is like, oh, I hate dark cabinets. And I was like, well, you know what? I have a painter that does an amazing job. And if you just want them to be white, <laughs> we can make that happen. And we can make that happen for a lot less than not getting this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's definitely really helpful because I think one of the things I'm looking into myself is um, how do we redesign the space? Because I feel like it's really not well utilized and um, we're thinking about maybe hiring a designer what typical types of interior designers have you worked with? Yeah, well, I've worked with um, I've worked with people on the new build side who've had interior designers that they've brought on to the project, mm -hmm. uh, for better or worse. That you know, it can complicate things. Yeah. <laughs> Architects and interior designers aren't always considering the budget; they're more considering their their vision and what they want to see happen. And that can include um, materials and uh, things that are very expensive and make the project a bit out of the range or a bit out of the comfort zone of the client. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I in my own home, I had someone come and do a consultation about lighting, um, more because my partner and I weren't agreeing on what the lighting should look like. <laughs> <laughs> they liked their ideas less than my ideas. So that just helped me win that argument. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's a, a couple of design build companies that I've worked with who um, it's not like a knockdown rebuild, um, but it's more of just like a moving walls sort of thing, um, you know, coming in, examining, you know, do you need to put another uh, T-bar in here? It, it can, is this a, is this a, um, a load bearing wall or not? And that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You mentioned that you have uh, received this Hall of Fame recognition. Yeah. Congrats, by the way. And then Thank I think you. on your bio or your website, you also have a lot of other accolades, such as the Watson Fellowship Award and the Jacob Javits Fellowship. How do these um, awards impact your work in the real estate area? My Watson Fellowship Award um, allowed me to live out of the country for two years after college. So just really um, having more of a, a global perspective on life and the way that people live um, I think I'm, I think I'm really open and um, accommodating and, and meet people where they are um, in terms of, you know, what they're looking for, what's important to them. 
Um, it's not about me when we're out looking for a house. It's about the clients, about what they what they need and what they want. Um, really listening um, and and taking the time to get to know them um, to help advise them. Um, the Jacob Javits Award was um, a fellowship that I got for my Master's of Fine Arts studies, um, and again, that really just enabled me to pursue that dream. Um, and I guess I've found myself really fortunate. Um, I mean, those were merit-based awards. Uh, I worked really hard to get them. Um, and I'm pretty driven and focused uh, when it comes to my work and my success. I don't tend to do things halfway. <laughs> I don't tend to do things B plus. <laughs> if I am going to do something, I'm going to do it as best as I can. And um, when there is an element of competition, which there is in real estate, um, that drives me a little bit more, I guess, to to put um, get get ahead of the pack in that way, um, but not not for uh not at the risk of losing the need of my client i guess um so that's great speaking of competition i'm sure there's a great amount what are some of the strategies that you use to stay ahead of the pack yeah well i've been really fortunate and that most of my clients that i get now are referred to me by other clients that uh -huh. i've helped Cool. So that's been really great. I think that alone sort of speaks to uh, the experience that my my clients get that they have with me. Um, you know, I, I I did take out, you know, right when I started, I spent some ridiculous amount of money on like online leads or something like that. And oh my God, they were horrible. I mean, nothing ever came out of it. Um, but, you know, I stay involved in my communities and um, it's funny, I actually, every year I host the Tennyson Street Pet Parade the Saturday before um, Halloween. It's part of a bigger fall festival in this business district in Denver. This will be our sixth annual pet parade. It's very exciting this year. Um, I love doing it. And I just laugh all the time because people come up to me and they're like, I didn't know you were a realtor. We've been coming every single year. We had no idea. We just bought a house. Oh. <laughs> we totally would have used you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm really not good at the self-promotion thing. <laughs> I'm like, I just am never gonna, you know, jam it down anybody's throat that I am a realtor. I'm here, you know. It's like it seems uh, ingenuine a bit to me, um, but uh, you know, I I provide a great service, and and people just are finding out about it. I guess. <laughs> That's usually the best marketing tool, right? Is the word of mouth. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Was it challenging in the first couple of years though? Yeah, actually. So um, our office, this street that I mentioned, Tennyson, um, our office used to be on Tennyson and Tennyson 
street in the past, probably starting now 20 years ago, but even in the past five years has changed an incredible amount. Um, but it's, there's a lot of retail and restaurants on that street. Um, and our old office is now an apartment building, but it used to be just a one level office and we had a parking lot and uh you know i moved to denver i didn't know anybody really except for my partner's family and um i asked my managing broker at the time i said hey would you think it was weird if i put my desk in the parking lot <laughs> he was like no why would you do that you know and i'm like because nobody ever comes in here like nobody ever comes in here so i used to roll my desk out on saturdays and sundays into the parking lot and have water for puppy you know dog biscuits and like a sign that said like ama real estate like ask me anything real estate and i ended up getting five buyers oh, wow. um that had were renters in the neighborhood that way and they all had dogs and they were all renting in one of four buildings on the street and then when i do my um customer appreciation event every year you know the first year they all got back to and they're like, i recognize you from the elevator <laughs> do you have a dog and like that's how she got us too mm -hmm. um you know and so just from that core group you mm -hmm. know it's really grown from there um two of those four, four five first buyers have gone on to then sell their home and buy bigger homes because they had kids or you know whatever life comes in and um yeah so it's it's just kind of grown from there but like literally just being available on the street and letting people know i was there to ask answer questions yeah wow and it was great yeah it's great that's very creative right and effective i applaud you for having that courage and creativity to do that all right so Let's talk about Denver Nook, because I saw that mm -hmm. on your website, which seems yeah. like a company that you founded. It's so wherever we go as realtors, mm -hmm. we hang our license somewhere. So we're all independent contractors. We're all self-employed. Mm -hmm. um, and I hang my right license with Remax Professionals. Um, but I did uh last year really want to sort of differentiate myself from the crowd and from the balloon <laughs> i love the balloon don't get me wrong i'm not harshing on the balloon but i just think that i i wanted to sort of you know have my own brand within what we do um and so one of the things that i love about denver architecture um, is the Denver bungalows. I mean, they're all over the city and um, they were built, you know, anywhere between like 1920 and 1940. They're these you know, craftsman style bungalows that you see all over the country, but there's really quite a lot of them and they come in different sizes, but they more or less have the same interior. And they've been chopped up and remodeled in a thousand different ways. Um, and the nook in the kitchen is um, an attribute that they had originally. And it's fascinating to see how people have taken over the nook and changed the nook. Mm -hmm. In our current home, which was a bungalow, um, it had a nook that was had just become like part of the countertop and an empty space for recycling together. 
Um, and I reclaimed our nook. I actually built out a nook and, and it just seems like, I love the word. It's a fun word to say mm -hmm. it's cozy. Um, it can be big, it can be small. It can be, um, you know, it could be a, a window seat. It can be, you know, a bunch of different things. It could be a nook where just big enough to put, um, some sort of, uh, memento or something on, um, it's just one of my favorite uh, architectural attributes. So, got it. Got uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I built a website. I didn't build a website. My friend built my website for me. She's amazing. Uh, and created the logo. But I still hang my license with Remax Professionals. Don't plan to move anywhere else. It's a, it's a wonderful company. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So, where do you see yourself in five years or 10 years? Do you? see yourself continue kind of being a real estate broker and expanding your business or what else do you have in plan for you? Yeah, I hope so. I really, I really enjoy it. And um, it offers a lot of flexibility. It's a really great, I can hear my dog squeaking in the other room. I don't know if you can hear it. It offers me some flexibility to take care of my, my home and my pets. And mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I, I imagine that I will continue to, um, to move forward in this business. Um, I'm at a like really nice sort of pace right now. Um, but I do imagine that I'll hopefully I could see myself growing a team. I could see myself uh, getting into doing more educational um, programming uh, sort of thing, making that available. Yeah, cool. And do you have a book recommendation for either real estate oh. or life advice in general? Something that I've been uh, really loving is just The Go-Giver. It's just a, it's a good one. I mean, I really, I, I'm not an overly spiritual person or anything like that. But, um, you know, I really do believe the more that you put out into the world, the more you get in return. I think that that's probably one that I would um, recommend to anybody. Yeah, I've heard about <laughs> it, but I've never read it. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I like the concept of go-giver instead of go-getter, right? All right, so then last question for you is, uh, where can people find more about you? Oh, well, they can go to my website, denvernook.com. Um, and there's also a section called Notes from the Nook, which is my blog, which is tips on all things Denver. Um, and so it's also probably a good resource for people who are just visiting Denver and they want to find some sort of insider information, looking for, you know, quick trips out of the city, great restaurants, different neighborhoods, that sort of thing. So yeah, denvernook.com. Yeah, that's easy enough to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Liz, for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh.